Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to a long overdue edition of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry, and along with me is Tim Parrish. And our last podcast was about two weeks ago. Uh, we had a little bit of a break in the NHL action. They didn't have a game uh, between the end of the qualifying round and round robin games and round one of the uh, the playoffs. And then I was kind of enjoying the playoffs. Well, I was very much enjoying the playoffs. I was enjoying the nonstop hockey. And, you know, when we do a podcast, we usually record at night. So I was kind of thinking, oh, well, maybe there will be a break between game one or round one and round two of the playoffs, but there wasn't. In fact, round two even started before round one was completed, but that's what the NHL's got to do. They're trying to get all these games in as, as fast as they can, but still be reasonable about things. Uh, coincidentally, Tim and I agreed to podcast today before finding out that the NHL was going to pause its games due to the um, unrest, the uh, the rioting, the protesting um, over the sh- shooting of uh, Jacob Blake when he was shot uh, by a policeman uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So in re- uh, that resulted in uh, peaceful protesting, police showing up, p- protests turning violent and stuff like that. And so on Wednesday, the NBA and Major League Baseball did not play their games. The NHL did play their games. They did get some criticism for that, saying, well, hockey's a mainly white sport, and that's why they didn't boycott the games. I don't think that's what it was. But then today, on Thursday, as we record this, uh, the NHL is postponing their games until Saturday, and so now here we are recording this podcast. Um, So anyways, yeah, I I said a lot here. Tim, you joked earlier uh, before we recorded about the conversation being one-sided. Well, (laughs) it's, I guess it's, it's your, it's the ball's over to you now or the puck's on your side now. Um, How am I supposed to follow that? Well, no, but I just, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add to that. No, it's like, there hasn't been anything going on. Nothing at all. Nothing's changed since uh, our last podcast. No, every day we wake up, it's like we're living in a completely different world. Every day, it's like completely changes. The dynamic of the world is different. I mean, on Tuesday you... and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday, I, I don't. I never even know what the heck is going on anymore. I mean, it's, it's think about it. You got protesting in Wisconsin. You got hurricanes in Wisconsin and Louis. Or excuse me, in uh, you have hurricanes. Hurricanes in, in Wisconsin. I meant to say, okay, so let me start that over. Category six coming off of Lake Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> off of, right. Off of Lake Superior. Yeah, exactly. No, so, okay, so we got. That was a movie, by the way. It was a horrible movie. What was? Category six. You ever Never see it? saw it. Was it's, it? It's about a hurricane coming off of Lake Michigan. Oh, wow. Better or worse <laughs> than Twister? Oh, way worse. Twister's yeah. an awesome movie. <laughs> Twister's a fantastic movie with a great soundtrack. Oh no, just just the Goo Goo Dolls song uh, "Long Way Down." I think that's the only song on the soundtrack listening worth listening to. No way, Van Halen on there. Oh Humans, yeah, Humans Being, great song. What's what song? Which Van Halen song? Humans Being. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's a great song. 
that was uh so anyway so um getting back to the serious note so we have wildfires in california we have protesting in wisconsin and we have uh, hurricanes in uh, you know in, in the in the south in in florida and in louisiana and in that area so i mean yeah you're right when you say you wake up every day and the world's different than it was the day before that is not an incorrect statement yeah it's 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 been crazy but uh but yeah the nhl took a lot of criticism over the last 48 hours over decisions or non-decisions or whatever you want to call it look players already already headed in their minds to play they're like robots. They're like machines. They do a routine and they're on the routine and they're programmed to do a certain thing. And most of these guys were off the grid when it's game day, you got your routine, you're off the grid. You do your, 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 your game day skate. You, you, you do your working out, you eat, you go take a nap. By the time everybody knew what the heck was going on, most of them are already at the rink at that point. And and just kind of hearing secondhand and stuff started trickling in. I mean, it was go time at that point. So it wasn't like they could really do anything, I guess, other than formally walk out. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yes, and with the other sports, so you had the Milwaukee Bucks were the first to say, we're not going to play our game. And then the other teams are like, yeah, we agree. We're, we're with you on that. We're not going to play either. And then in, in, in baseball, the Milwaukee Brewers. So, I mean, you had Milwaukee teams who were just like saying, you know what, things are really messed up. We can't play today. And I, I think with the NHL, you know, cause when I said to my aunt, I said, you know, the NHL was the first or though they did not postpone their games on Wednesday and she she just said, oh, well, they're they're up in Canada. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Meaning, like, she didn't mean, like, Canada is not empathetic or sympathetic. She just meant that, like, they're in their own little bubble, literally their own bubble. And like you said, the news is going to travel slower. You know what I mean? It's not like they're going to, especially on game day. Well, I mean, not that the news travels slower. I mean, everybody's got instant access to everything from social media. But most of those guys shut all that off. Like, they're not... They're not doing that. They're not watching TV. They're not listening to this. They're not doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're zoned out and they're they're getting in the mind frame of what to do. And so many guys said, "We had I had no idea what was going on. I woke up from my nap, got ready, went to the went to the uh, rink, and then all hell breaks loose." So, so I'll like, say word traveled to them slow, or they were slow to get the word of it because they were doing other things. They were doing what they were there to do. Sure. So, I mean, chastise them if you want, say what you want about it. But, you know, after a lot of discussion and everything else, the NHL players all got together and decided that the best course of action that they were going to do was take a step back and not play. So that's what they're doing. And, you know, they've they've spoke to the media. They've said what they needed to say. And, you know, individual players have had made their statements. Teams have released their statements. And here we are. No games today or tomorrow. So, yeah. And I mean, I understand that. And it was, it was interesting because I found out from a friend 
that there were no games because this morning I looked at the schedule and there were games. I looked at the TV schedule. I didn't really go to the NHL website. I, I had things to do. I was running around all day. I came home. I'm, I work as a teacher. It's the end of the summer quarter. I had to get a lot of grading done. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put my head down and get some grading done. And maybe I'll watch the seven o'clock game. And then Tim and I will record later that night, you know, the podcast, not even knowing what, what had happened. Like I said, cause I was like, not checking the news. I wasn't checking Twitter or whatever. And then my friend texts me and he's like, no games today. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that. Like, okay. You know, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like it, it instantly made sense. I go, okay, yeah, the NHL's on board with this too. And I understand why. And, uh, you know, at the same time, I'm, I'm eating dinner and I'm looking for something to watch. And it's like Republican National Convention, change a channel. Republican National Convention, change a channel. Republican National Convention. And I'm like, wow, I really miss hockey right now. <laughs> and I'm not trying to sound selfish about this, but because I understand why the games are po- postponed. Um, but yeah. Well, something, something you may want to clarify on all of that. The NHL did say they were going to postpone the games. None of that was driven by the NHL. You, you understand that part. That was all player driven. All of it. I mean, the NHL wanted no part of any of that, which most of the time they don't. Because the NHL, of all of the leagues, I don't think has ever really taken a stand one way or another to jump out in front and be the pioneers of doing something differently. They generally follow suit with what everybody else does or take an idea that's already been made and adapt it to fit, which that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But this was not driven at all by the NHL. This was all the players, and this was the... Um, what's the group called? The Diversity Alliance mm-hmm. that Evander Keynes is in, in and that kind of thing. This was all them. And this was all them coming together and deciding as players and as teammates of one another that this was the best course of action to take. And the NHL finally had to make a statement based off of that because at that point it was too late. So it was kind of like, the decision was made for them and they had to kind of fall in line because all the players in the bubble reached out to to Evander Kane and Matt Dumba and had them actually come onto their call today. Um, and it was basically the feeling of all the players across the board that led to that becoming the initiative. So you know, as much as I love the NHL and love hockey, I am not putting any credit at all into the hands of the administration that runs the league because it had nothing to do with them in this case. That's interesting. That's really interesting. That I mean, and that's 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 powerful and and I think wonderful that the players stepped up and and did that. Sometimes they have to, you know, and and that's part of the thing. I mean, this has pretty much been a player driven thing across the board in all of the sports. It's Mm -hmm. just the rest of the leagues have fallen in place and rightly so, you know, here you have kind of a different perspective. You're right. They're in Canada. They have a lot of Canadian players. Is there racism in Canada? 
Of course there is. I mean, look at the look at the indigenous troubles that there've been, mm-hmm. and, and the plight of the indigenous people in in Canada. I mean, I don't want to get into all of that now because this isn't. I don't want to say this isn't the time and place, but we'll be sitting here talking for hours and hours, and nobody right. wants to listen to that. But <clears throat> I mean, so so that it, it that exists. I mean, it, it exists everywhere. Um, you know, players aren't ignorant to it. You know, you may think they turn a blind eye to it at times, but if a teammate is going to step out, the rest of the team's going to follow. Mm-hmm. And that that's 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 why I like the NHL because the players are in it for each other. So, yeah, no, I agree. Um, they they're solidarity like that. It's unlike, I mean, not to not to kind of throw it in football, but I mean, there's definitely a divide in the players between the quarterbacks and everybody else, but that was by design with the NFL trying to basically set, you know, trying to break the, uh, the players union by like saying, well, uh, quarterbacks are special, so they're going to get special treatment and they're kind of their own thing. And, and, um, and that actually really hurt, uh, their collective bargaining because, um, the, the, the most popular players were not really included. And I'm not going to get into all of that because I actually, I don't understand everything about the NFL collective bargaining agreement. And this is a hockey podcast, not a multi-sport podcast. Although we talk about other sports and, um, you know, I mean, we just had to acknowledge what was going on in the NHL, but, um, yeah, sometimes we we talk about curling. Yeah. Oh, when never, I don't know, but, um, I'd like to talk about curling. Okay, what would you like to say about curling? Uh, not right now. Yeah, oh, okay. Time. Well, yeah, sure. Um, so <laughs> we haven't we haven't done a podcast in about two weeks. So uh, a lot of stuff has happened in two weeks, and it's even happening faster because you're having like three. Sometimes you're having five games a night. You know, day, afternoon, evening, night, and 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 now even still two to three games a night or a day or whatever. So a, a lot of things happened very quickly. Um, do we want to talk, uh, you want to talk a little bit about Dale Howard, Chuck, his passing um, just because I feel like we should talk about him because he was, you know, was a, a legend in hockey in the eighties and the nineties. And, and uh, you know, sadly he passed away about a week ago um, from stomach cancer. Yeah. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention Ducky in the conversation. Um, you know, 57 years old, that's, uh, that's young, that's pretty young. But, uh, like you said, he, he was dealing with cancer, um, earlier this year. Uh, he went through his final, uh, final chemo treatment and things were kind of looking up, but, uh, his son actually tweeted out that, uh, he was taking a turn for the worse and it, it didn't take long. Um, do you know when he uh, was first diagnosed with cancer? I'm just curious. I don't off the top of my head. I don't know. Um, I I know he, I want to say it was last, last year, maybe August, September. Um, you know, that's when he stepped down as the um, as the coach of the the Colts. Yes, because um, he was with them for like nine years behind the bench. Right, um, and the reason why I ask that, 
um, and I'm not tr- I'm not revealing anything secretive here, but last year, last summer, around this time, or maybe a little bit earlier, I interviewed Dale Howard Chuck. I wrote an article for the Hockey News about Canada Cup, the 1987 Canada Cup Game 3. And I talked with almost everybody on that Team Canada team, except for Gretzky and Lemieux, because they're hard to get in touch with. Um, you know, they don't answer every media request. But most of the guys uh, were very easy, not, I don't say easy to get a hold of, but, you know, very like, you know, they did whatever they could to help. Brian Prop, Larry Murphy, um, Grant Fear. I mean, these are some of the, the legends that I got to talk to for my article. And I contacted the Barry Colts, and they were very helpful in, in getting me in touch with, with Dale. But he was kind of hard to get in touch with. And they just said, oh, he's vacationing. And I said, oh, okay, cool. And I just thought, eh, he's vacationing. And now I'm thinking maybe it was something else. And that's, okay, you know, I mean, that that's understandable. I wasn't pushy or anything like, well, I need to talk to him for this article. I was just like, well, if I could talk to him, that would be really cool. And they're like, well, we'll get you in touch with him. Just give us a little time. And he called me one day. And we talked and I, I thought this was really cool because when I write an article, I always say to the players or whomever I speak to for my story, because I've talked to other, you know, non-players, you know, for like movie articles and stuff. And I always say, would you like to read the story when it's done? Would you like me to send you a copy of the story? And most of them are like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Can you email it to me or can you forward it to our team PR guy or something like that? But I just thought this was really funny. I, I went back and I listened to my conversation with him because I said, would you like me to send you the story when it's published? And he said, no, that's all right. I lived it. I know it. And he laughed. And that's just how our conversation ended. It was a very fun, friendly conversation. But just at the end, when I'm like, well, would you want me to send this to you? Oh, no, 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 that's okay. I lived it. I know it. You know, and then he laughed. And it just I just thought that was it was it was very it came out as very humble um, and, and I just thought that was, I, I, I laughed when, when he said that it just, it just was nice. That's <clears throat> see, that's, that's a cool story that you have that you can hold on to about that. I mean, you know, those that, those that actually knew him, I mean, everybody, the outpouring of, of, of players, ex players and coaches and teammates and that have all come out and talked about you know, how he was not just as a player, but as a person, I I have not heard a single bad thing spoke of, of the guy ever, not once. And it's hard to say that for most people. There's usually always something. They, they have like some dark spot, but never once have I ever heard anybody say anything negative. Yeah. And, you know, he's um, I mean, he scored a lot of points. He only had one fifty goal season. But he was like consistently like 30, 40, 50 goal score. I mean, he had a lot of points. Um, and I think, you know, even in the the 80s, you had a lot of guys who had a lot of points. Like 100 point score, scoring 100 points was not an uncommon feat in the 80s. I mean, of course, you had guys like Gretzky scoring 200 points and totally blowing that curve out of the water. But, you know, hitting 130, 140, 150 points. But, I mean, there were there were some players, a lot of players who did that. And then there Which were he did. Consistently. 80, was it 84, 85? He did 130. Did he? Yeah. I mean, he, okay. he had 100 point mark five consecutive years in a row. And then he got, uh, he got uh, fleeced from the Jets in the 90 entry draft. And 
got moved over to uh, the Sabres. And um, I think five years in a row after that, he led the Sabres in scoring. And I think his lowest season was 86. Mm-hmm. If you look at if you look at his overall stats. So, um, well, unless you count 94, 95, but he was injured. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's extremely underrated player because you don't hear people talk about him. You don't, you don't hear of many, like, at least in the hobby world, you don't hear a lot. Of, well, I'm a, I'm a, I deal my piece. I PC Dale Howard Chuck. I don't hear that very often. Maybe I'm with the wrong crowd, but I've only ever met one person, and that was recently, that claimed to have a a Dale Howard Chuck collection and showed me some of it in pictures because I said, prove it. And, yeah, they they covered themselves. But, uh, you know. Well, and I think think part of that is because Howard Chuck was not the type of player to to seek the limelight. I mean, I read this. No, he was shy. He was reserved. You know, the the guy was... He was a quiet. He went about his business and mm-hmm. quietly just dropped drop points on people. Mm-hmm. And you know he wasn't he wasn't in the spotlight all the time because you're right. He had to play through an era where he had guys in front of him named Gretzky and Lemieux, and later on Yager, and you know so there were always these mega superstar players that overshadowed you know second place third place fourth place guys well but another thing too is when he played for winnipeg winnipeg did not have great success in the 80s like postseason success and then the other thing is is that if you think about it like who did who did gretzky have on his wing in the Uh, 80s i mean wait when are we talking well let's just say like who, who was one of his wingers during his time with the oilers um, well, I mean, you got Mark Messier, you got Yari Curry. Right. Got, he had, okay. And then who um, did, you know, and then who did Lemieux have in the nineties? Uh, well, I mean. Oh, come on. Just say well, Yager and Stevens. We're trying to well, keep I was this gonna conversation say, I was gonna say Stevens, We don't but care it's about that depends. one game in 1991 where Kevin Stevens was injured and he had, you know, Troy Loney on his line. I'm talking about just I mean, his regular. I mean, having Lemieux made Stevens a 40 goal scorer consistently. I mean, so you know, I don't think he would have been otherwise. So he made he made players better. But yeah, having Yager on your team, having Ronnie Francis on your team, having a team packed full of Hall of Famers makes a big so now big I'm difference. Trying to I'm trying to think just off the top of my head, who did the Jets have besides Howard Chuck? Like who else towed the line? Because, I mean, I could look at the Blackhawks in the 80s and said, yeah, Dennis Savard towed the line, but they also had Steve Larmer, and he was pretty damn good too, right? And you could look at uh, you could look at a lot of teams and say, you know, like the one-two punch, right? And I'm just thinking, like, I mean, I think of, like, the Jets in the 80s, and I think of, like, Laurie Boschman, and I think of, like, Thomas Steen, and I think of, like, now I'm looking at my hockey cards, but you get the idea, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling you know, even like the Whalers, they had Ronnie Francis and who would have been like the the other really good Whaler in that time. Uh, well, Ulf okay. Samuelson, I don't know. Kevin Deneen. Kevin Deneen, yeah, there you right. go. Right, you see what I mean? And so like, I'm just not thinking of another, so I'm thinking that it's just like, it's like, he, he was the guy in Winnipeg. 
Like, I can't think of another guy who was as, you know, I mean, who was, who was their superstar when he left the team? Like, who was, like, really their superstar? Maybe Keith Kachuk? Yeah, I mean... But that was in they the weren't 90s. Around, I mean, think about it. They weren't around that much longer after that. I mean, how many more right. years were the Jets around until they got relocated? Uh, 96. That, what 90s, year was that, 96? It was 96, 97. So six more years? Yeah. That's a long time, but... Um, well, they had Timu in the beginning. Okay, my apologies to Timu Solani. They did have Timu Solani. Yeah, 92-93. I mean, rookie goal-scoring record and everything. Yeah, okay. I feel no bad for, for forgetting Timu. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also think of Timu a lot as a duck. Of course. Because, uh, I mean, that's... That... That's generally how you think of him. Nobody thinks of him as a Colorado Avalanche, but he played for them too. Yeah, so. I have the horrible hockey card to prove it. Yeah. Um, and he was also on the Sharks for a second. So So I have a I have another Dale Howard Chuck story, but it's not really a Dale Howard Chuck story. It's a Sal Barry story that somehow involves Dale Howard Chuck kind of like tangibly. Can I share it with you? Of course. All right, so the day is February seventh, nineteen ninety two. Wow, you got the just, day. Was it a Thursday? I don't know if it was a Thursday, but I think it was trade deadline day in the NHL. Oh, it now must by have been the way, Tuesday. So by the way, yeah, must have been right. So because uh, they always made that their deadline day. Um, so, uh, um. For those of you, well, I think everybody who listens to this podcast is probably over 30 or 35. Prove me wrong. Um, if you're not, leave a comment or something. But, you oh, know, there's a back, couple youngins out there. Back when news traveled slow, when you had to either wait for the five o'clock news, the 10 o'clock news, or the newspaper the next day. But if it was a late game because the Blackhawks were playing, say, the Vancouver Canucks, you had to go to bed before that game was over. So you didn't know the score. You'd get up, and if you didn't get a chance to hear it on the radio in the morning, you'd get a newspaper, but they would just say the game is late, and they didn't have the score to that. So it just would take forever to find out even a hockey score sometimes. So I get home, and my grandmother says to me, I was over at my grandma's house, I don't know why, um, because if it was a weekday, I wouldn't have been at my grandma's house. Maybe it was a weekend, maybe I was sick, I don't remember. So anyways... My grandmother says to me, oh, the Blackhawks made a trade today. I said, oh, yeah, who did we get? And she gets this confused look on her face. And she says, ha, 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 ha. And I go, Howard Chuck? And she says, yeah, I, I, I think that was the name. And I start, like, jumping around. And I'm like, oh, my God. And already I'm envisioning this line of Howard Chuck. Goulet and Larmer and I'm just thinking oh man that is going to be such a kick-ass first line on the Blackhawks I know that would put Ronick to the second line but oh my god having Ronick as your second line center of course you could have him as the first line and put Howard Chuck on the second line the point is, is I was just thinking of these three guys of of of, of, of a Larmer Howard Chuck Goulet line right yeah so good, good problem to have right so I wait until the news 
I wait for the sports. All right, so it turns out that the Blackhawks made two trades that day. Neither of them were for Dale Howarchuk, which you all know no. because obviously he never played for the Blackhawks. You know who they did get? Uh, In I'm, what trying to, trade? I'm trying to think who, they, who she could have confused this with. Oh, this is good because both of these are right answers. They acquired Tony Horacek. Port. Ah, there you go. And they also acquired Tony Herkus. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> okay. So those are the the H last name players, the H players that they got in those two trades. So I can see why my grandmother was confused. She probably heard two different names, might have heard one name, heard the other name, thought the second name was the first name that she heard maybe incorrectly, couldn't remember either of them, and then wanted to tell me this news, all oh, the Blackhawks made a trade, but then she couldn't remember the name, and then I just kind of uh, extrapolated from ha, 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 that she meant Horachuk. So, unfortunately, Dale Horachuk never did play for the Blackhawks. I was disappointed that day. Well, you hear what you want to hear, I guess, sometimes. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that uh, Howard Chuck scored more points in the 84-85 season alone than those two guys did in their entire careers combined. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Tony Horacek never had a card as a Blackhawk, despite playing, I think, 12 games at the end of that season. Never had a card, huh? Never had a card. No, he has a 92-93 card with the Indianapolis ice because he was put in the minors at the start of that season, but he finished out 91, 92 black box. I got you. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, so, um, yeah. So, uh, of course, very sad, but also, uh, you know, that, that Dale Howard Chuck passed away, but, um, you know, awesome player legend. I mean, everybody liked him and, um, you know, it's always sad, you know. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I remember when Walter Payton passed away. And, I mean, as a Chicago fan and a Bears fan, I mean, you know, even though you're not related to the player, you grow up watching that player or you watch that player and you feel some connection to that player because you, you saw them play a lot, you know what I mean? And, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, even for a fan, it's it's painful. I mean, it it... it it is. Yeah. Nobody wants to see the legends pass on, but, you know, it's inevitable. Oh, and for those of you that don't know, he what he is in the Hall of Fame, by the way. I've heard a couple people be like, that guy's not even in the Hall of Fame, is he? Yeah. Yes, he yeah. is. He's been yeah. in for a while. He was inducted in 2001. So it's it's not like it's a posthumous induction or anything like that. Um you know, 518 goals, 891 assists, and so he's got over 1,400 points for his career. Yes, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, actually, that you mentioned that, because actually I had this, this uh, I actually had those numbers jotted down. So, yeah, he scored at a 1.18 point per game, so he scored more than a point a game. I mean, every game you could count on him for a goal or an assist. That's... That's pretty amazing. I mean, if a player can score one point every other game, that's still decent, you know, and to score or two points every three games, you know, that's 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 respectable. But to do more than a point a game is is, is pretty awesome. 
So last thing about him that I wanted to say is I read something, and I don't know if it came from his Hall of Fame induction or um, maybe like a bio on him or something, but I read that at some point in the the mid-1980s, so we're talking 85, 86, so his rookie cards were in 82, 83, or card was in 82, 83, which we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so he'd only been in the league a few years, but they did a poll with general managers in the NHL, and they asked them to, if they could start a franchise with one player, Howard Chuck was the third pick uh, in the poll behind Gretzky and Paul Coffey. Wow. So the mid-80s GMs of the NHL, if they were to start a franchise with any player, they went with Gretzky, Coffey, or Howard Chuck. So that 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 should tell you something right there, what that's kind of player a, he was. That says a lot right there. Yeah, indeed. So um, you wanted to talk about Mike Milbury. I don't want to talk about him, but again, so many things happened. And one of them was Mike Milbury not getting fired, but basically stepping down as broadcaster for NBC because he stuck his shoe in his mouth one too many times. See what I did there? Stuck his shoe in his mouth. Got well, it. yeah. He stuck it in his mouth rather than beat a guy with it. Or if I have to be more. If I Man, you're just going to beat that joke. Out. You're just going to beat that joke to death. Yeah. With the yeah, shoe. I will. Um, you know, look, like him or hate him, he was a controversial character when it comes to personalities. A lot of people don't like guys with abrasive personalities. I didn't like Mike Milbury because I didn't think he was that great of a hockey analyst myself. I didn't think he brought much to the table other than his divisiveness. Um, now, you can think what you want. Um, liked him, if you liked him as a player, great. If you liked him as a coach, I don't see how you could. Maybe you could have. If you liked him as a GM in in New York, <laughs> uh, I don't know. If, I've never met a per- single person that said anything nice about him from that standpoint. But him in the booth and him in the studio and talking about stuff and you know whatever. Most of it was all his opinion. And it was always like the back in my day thing and. You know, he was always the proponent for, you know, fighting and keeping fighting in the game and, and that kind of thing. You know, it's the dinosaur mentality. He's the old school guy. You know, he, that's that's what he was brought up in. And, and he takes that stance a lot of times. And I mean, how many times do you hear him going after guys for, you know, a high stick and the guy falls to the falls to the ground and he'll be like, ah, oh, you know make a comment about, ah, oh, come on, that's got to be embellishment and stuff. You don't know. Maybe it was, but you don't know. You know, get up and play. He made so many of those comments that just went completely ignored. He made comments about women. He made comments about players getting injured. He made comments about, you name it. He made comments about the Space Needle being in Toronto. So, I mean... I, I I I have no problem with him deciding to step down. I, I think his comments 
may have been taken out of context, may have been pushed a little too far uh, from interpretation by many, those woken people that we live with nowadays. And some of the things he said were construed to be something that they weren't. Do I think he's smart enough to make some type of social commentary comment? No, I don't. I think he was just trying to add something to the conversation and sound funny. And it fell flat, and that was the end of that. So So now you're talking about not the Tukarask comment, but the women comment. No, yeah, that was the straw because, I mean, the Tukarask comment that he made... I guess I let that slide a little bit because that's kind of more of an opinion and everybody had one at that point. Right. Because, you know, Tukaras being in the bubble, going through the whole process of getting to the bubble, and then all of a sudden when your team's basically getting ready to play one of the biggest games ever for this year, you just decide, I'm done. Right. Well, we didn't know the whole story. Right. We didn't know what was going on. The GMs, the GMs weren't telling people anything. The coaches weren't telling people anything. They were just saying, "Hey, he opted out." Well, the immediate reaction of the of the mob is to jump on the guy and be like, "Well, what the hell, dude? You're abandoning your team. You're doing this. You're doing that. You don't know what the story is. No one did." And so, when the story comes out finally that, hey, he was dealing with some family shit that was important, and he had to go take care of it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, I don't mean to to diminish that or anything else. Well, you know, Milberry made comments about it. And that's the thing. You can think things and you can make whatever comments you want, but you're a personality on television. Thousands of people are watching you talk and listening to you say things. And if you say dumb things, they're going to immediately pick up on it and they're going to rewind their TV and they're going to record it with their phones and they're going to play it back and post it on every social media and ruin you. Stop it. Don't say these things. Just be normal. Go about your business. And if it makes you boring, that's what they want. Be boring. Because otherwise you're in this position and now you have to step down because you can't take the criticism that's going to be hurled at you repeatedly for days and days and days until somebody else says something stupid, which they did. I mean, you saw Tom Brenneman, right? From the uh, Reds get canned. Oh yeah. yeah. That was a little, I, that was a little more than what Milbury said, but still, I mean, so, it's inevitable that in today's day and age, when there's an announcer and they're doing what, doing their thing, you know, whatever. Things just come out, and once they come out, you can't put them back. I'm not trying to defend Mike Milbury here, but I'm just trying to trying to deconstruct this a little bit in his comment when he said that um, they were talking about the bubble, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing the quote because I don't have it memorized verbatim, but it was something along the lines of there's no women to distract the players or something along those lines. Pretty much. He was just making the comment that, you know, the players are bored out of their skulls because there's nothing to do in the bubble. So all they do is get up, work out, skate, work out, nap, eat, skate, work out, 
I mean, that's all they're doing. And right. they're like, you know, these well-oiled machines and ready to go at, at any given moment because they got nothing else to do. There's nothing there to distract them mm-hmm. because they can't go anywhere and they're stuck where they are. And so, you know, that's what they were talking about. And he made the comment about no women being there either. Well, you know, he, <laughs> I mean, it's it. It's a, look, it, you could take it as an innocent comment and just go with it and move on with your life, or you can pick it apart. And that's, that's what, that's the reality of the world that we're in now. Everything you say will be picked apart. But I don't, okay, so first of all, I'm not a woman, so I can't be, I mean, I can be offended by, uh, okay, if somebody says something racist and it's not directed towards me, I can still be offended by that kind of language, and but I, it's not direct, I, I can't say this hurts me because it's not directed at me, but I can still find be offended by it, if, if that makes sense, right? You see where, does that logic make sense? But it's like emp- empathy. You, can, you empathy. can have empathy, but you don't. You, I can't you, you say... can't truly understand it unless you're part of it. Right. So I can't say. I, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is, is women may have been offended by what Mike Milbury said. And I can't, I will not say that they should not be offended because I can't tell people what should offend them and what should not offend them. I can relate to things like what that Reds announcer said and say, yeah, that's way off base there. Yeah, that, that that's terrible, right? But I didn't think much of Milbury's comment. And I could kind I could understand where people are coming from and saying, oh, so women are just nothing but a distraction, and 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 he didn't say they couldn't. See, that's the thing. Like they want to paint it like he was saying that women were, I don't know, like a distraction in like a bad way, maybe. Like I think that- he meant it in a good way. Like there's no women there to distract the guys. And get him thinking about sex. That's what he meant. Right. Without and I mean, saying it. Yeah, I mean, okay, look, I mean, and, and this this is actually a scene in the uh the the Don Cherry uh bio uh, biopic, uh keep your head keep your uh, what is it called? Keep your head up, kid. The uh the Don Cherry story. And then the it's second funny part you bring up Don Cherry in this whole in this too, because there's the uh that's where this all originated. Okay, but okay, but but just hear me out for a second. So when Don Cherry was playing in, um, I think it was Rochester under Eddie Shore. Yeah, he was playing playing in Rochester under Eddie Shore. He invited all the players, like it was like a nighttime team meeting, but he invited all the players and their wives over. And so they thought this was going to be some sort of a party or, or get together. So he invites them all over and then he... Eddie Shore starts yelling at the wives and say, it's your fault that these guys are losing because they're having sex with you and they're too distracted by having sex with you to be thinking about playing the game and winning hockey. Right. And now and, and, uh, it's a pretty funny scene in the, in the Don Cherry movie. But I remember, 
I don't know if I read about that somewhere, but then, so when I saw that, it was like laugh out loud funny. Um, it's actually a pretty cool movie. There, there's, there were two Don Cherry movies and they're like three hours long each and they're both really good. Um, but, uh, I mean. But yeah, that's what he was equating it to without saying it. But the, the problem with it is, and yeah, it might have been innocent enough and not meant to harm anybody, but it was. I guess the straw that broke the camel's back in a series of straws that were leading to the breaking of the back. Right. Because he had already previously made the comment about women's hockey by saying that essentially the players playing in front of an empty crowd is just like watching college women's hockey. He he made that that comment earlier. That was pretty bad. So... And you know what? I could, I could, I could say this firsthand with firsthand experience. It's also like watching men's college hockey. I used to go to UIC Flames hockey games in the '90s when University of Illinois at Chicago had a team, and there were more Wisconsin Badger fans in the crowd than there were UIC Flames fans. So, um, yeah, college hockey is a tough sell. But yeah, I, I. That's a dumb thing to say. Yeah. And, and I mean, my, what, what ends up happening in all of this is that you say something and it might, you know, it might be a joke or, or whatever and, and it's taken what it is. You say something again. Wait, what did what did he say? What did what what was that? You say something a third time, and now people are really listening to what you're saying. So every little thing that comes out of your mouth, they're waiting for something that can be flipped and turned into whatever, and then it turns into something simple like that. I mean, what was it? He he said the same thing. Like during wasn't during the playoffs, like when the Canucks were in the playoffs, he compared the Sedin twins to Thelma and Louise. I mean, he said something like that too. I think that was back then, and then um, he said, "What was the other thing?" It was like during the the playoffs, like a year later or something. He came out. It was when Bilesmo was still the coach of the Penguins, mm-hmm. and he said something about him, um, like it was it, it was the it was that game where it was the Penguins and the Flyers. And it got like totally out of hand, and the coaches were like yelling at each other. And oh stuff, yeah, where he was, made, yeah, well, that you remember Craig, that, right? Dude, uh, well, Craig Berube wasn't he an assistant with the Flyers at the yeah, time? Yeah, I think and he was so. Standing, and, were standing on the benches, and oh yeah, my god, and, yeah, that, that was um, oh that was that. That's what I miss when I yeah, was watching the Flyers. Peter, I think Peter Laviolette was the coach of the Flyers at the time. Sounds uh, about right. Yeah, and Bilesma, and he makes a comment on the air like Bilesma should have should have hiked up his skirt and gone over there and said something or whatever. So, I mean, Milbury, Milbury has said things a bunch of times and it's like, you don't think of it. It's just, you know, it's just a anecdotal thing or in passing or whatever. But like I said, when you're in the public eye and you say something and you say it again and you say it again, it becomes a, a pattern and people pay attention to patterns. If it's a random thing, most people won't care. But if it's a, a pattern, patterns are recognizable. 
and you start paying attention and you don't want to be paid attention to when you're saying dumb things like this. And so if that becomes your shtick, then, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, he's made comments about, um, you know, he's made so many comments about players playing soft, so many comments about players getting injured on hits where they were legitimately hurt and he thought they were, you know, soft hits. Doesn't flat out call them pansies and stuff like that, but you know, you know he's he's made it, he, he's made him before. I mean, there was the big thing a couple years ago with where it was like uh, PK Subban was like on social media like saying mm-hmm. shit about him because he kept making comments about how, um, you know, Subban. Like I forget what it was. It was something where he got hit and his head like smack the ice i think it was what i think it was that fight that him and crosby had it wasn't really mm-hmm. a fight it was kind of a fight and suban's head like bounced off the ice in the re when you saw the replay back mm-hmm. and he basically said he had it coming i mean maybe he did but again these things pile up so i'm not holding any of that against him or anything like that i'm just telling you that's the reality of the situation he says dumb things, and I don't think he's that good of an analyst. My opinion, and, but, you know. And that's the thing, because you have to have, I mean, obviously, if you're in the public eye, like like you mentioned, you know, you, you have to have a filter. And it seems like he didn't have a filter. And I don't even want to give him, like, the generational excuse. Um, because, like, I'll give you a for instance. All right. So, and you might be able to relate to this. When I was a kid in the 80s, the word gay was thrown around a lot. But it was it was always meant as um as stupid, you know, dumb, stupid that something is stupid or dumb. Yeah. They say, "Oh, that's that's gay," right? Yeah. And and it was a put down, right? And now you well, you shouldn't say that, but now I would I mean I'm not going to say what's acceptable to be said by kids or what was acceptable 30, 40 years ago. Um, and I'm not just saying, oh, well, because we said it a lot back then that that was that somehow made it OK. It didn't make it OK then. It wasn't OK then. It's not OK now. The difference is, is back then words like that were thrown around and nobody thought about it. And now today, you know, 30 years later, 40 years later, we know better. Right. So I wouldn't ever say that. I mean, I might have said that when I was like eight years old because, oh, yeah, that's I don't want that transformer. That one is, you know, I want this one. This one's cool. Right. You know what I mean? Because you don't know any better. Right. And so I I don't really buy the, the generational thing like, well, you know, in the 70s, it was OK to say that sort of thing. But now it's not. So you got to understand that he's you know, from a, a different time. And sometimes people will say that and they'll just be like, oh, yeah, he's an old white racist, not Milbury, just saying, oh, he's an old white, you know, he's, he's a product of a different time, right? And it doesn't well, that was make Don it... Jerry's d- demise. He's the old white racist. Unfortunately, he's the old white racist that's on TV spouting off his mouth, you know, every night when hockey comes on. So, you know, that was his demise. Was yeah. being that older generational guy that was, you know, but well, that's the thing. 
he's never changed. It wasn't like he evolved into this crotchety old man. He always was that guy, like from the get go. So, you know, Tim, maybe just go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say maybe Milberry was like that too. Always. I, I don't know. I've only become aware of his personality since he's been, you know, with NBC and stuck in front of everybody's faces when they have to watch. Okay. Hockey. So I have a question for you. Honest question. And I got to give the audience a little bit of backstory here. I want to say this was around October of 2019. Um, Tim found a magic lamp, rubbed it and a genie popped out and, and said, I'll grant you three wishes, Tim. And I want to know, why did you wish for these wishes? You wished for Jeremy Roenick to get fired, Don Cherry to get fired, and Mike Milbury to get fired. And now you got all three of your wishes, but why did you waste it on that? Well, Milbury hasn't been fired yet. He just stepped down. They haven't officially made the firing announcement. You know, Cherry did get fired, flat out. I mean, were you so confident that the Penguins would just win the cup that you didn't make that one of your wishes? Uh... You're like, I don't need to waste yeah, a mean, wish on that. I'm going I'm going after Ronick. <laughs> well, I mean, my first wish was for more wishes, but then I was told I couldn't do that. So, I mean, who wouldn't wish their first wish for more wishes? Well, yeah, that's unfortunately that's against the, the code of wishes. Yeah, but uh, we've talked enough about Mike Milbury. I don't want to talk about it. the only thing. The only thing that gets my ire more than Mike Milbury is Pierre Maguire. And that's a whole nother that's a whole nother three hours of discussion. We'll save that for our hundredth episode. No, not really. I'm kidding. We're not gonna talk about that in our hundredth episode. Um but uh wow. Um so do you want should we move on to hockey card talk or is there any other NHL news you want to talk about? No, because it'll be all different tomorrow and then people will be like, What are they talking about? That was from a year ago. Don't want to so. talk about Mark Andre Fleury getting stabbed with a sword that said the war on it. Is that... So hold even, on a second. I, I just don't want to know say, what that was. I really don't. I don't in, understand in, that. In this week's Blake's takes, Blake Isaacs said that he thought it was actually pretty badass that the agent either A learned how to use Photoshop or B paid somebody to do that. Like he's like, well, you know, whether it was appropriate or not appropriate, you still have to admit that some time and thought went into that. This guy has been his agent since he was 15. essentially a kid. Yeah. So he's known this guy forever. I yeah. mean, he's not just his agent, he's a friend, right? Right. If you know a guy, him. if you know a guy, and here's the thing are we all blind and dumb to Marc Andre Fleury? Like, has he got us so fooled that everybody thinks he's just a great guy and fun to be around and, you know, always like the team first guy and everything else? Have we all been duped? And the real Marc-Andre Furry is this just cold, spiteful, you know, guy that has all of this pent-up anger issues? I, I don't think so. So that's why I'm like, where in your mind do you think, you know what, I'm going to post this out there because I'm defending my friend? On his own Twitter feed. <laughs> you had to know that was going to go bad. How could you not? I don't see that. That, that puts Flurry in a bad spot. Oh, my God. Obviously. Yes. And 
Um, I, I, he didn't really apologize. He just said, you know, Alan Walsh has been my agent and my friend. I've known him since I was 15. And, and, and I, I think the right thing would have been to say was, you know, Alan Walsh is my agent and he's been my agent. He's been my friend and I've known him since he was 15, but I don't think this was appropriate. And I'm sorry if it upset anybody. And that's, I think that's the one thing we wanted to hear. Like, but I wasn't also offended by it. He's also French. I mean, so, he's French Canadian. They have a different idea of what an apology actually is. So, I I think you I think that got lost in translation. Yeah, it didn't come off as an apology what he said, but at the same time, they the the media said that he talked to the team in private after the fact. And the next thing you know, everybody's just like hanging out and playing foosball and doing whatever, just like nothing ever happened. So obviously everybody was cool with it and there wasn't an issue. So I don't know. I mean, is it another case of the media making more out of it than it actually was? Maybe. But at the same time, I still don't know what the heck the agent was thinking. If my agent ever does that, then I I might have to look for a new agent. That's all I'm saying. Just fire him and keep the 10% that you were losing, right? So if my agent is listening to this broadcast, you're you're on warning. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh no, he closes that Photoshop file that he was working on all week. Yep. Um... So, all right, can we move on to some hockey card news? Yeah, it's about time. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about a lot of controversial or heavy subjects in the first half of the show. And um, really, I mean, I like talking about hockey and it makes me feel better. I don't feel better after that, (laughs) after all of that. I'm actually, I feel a little bit better, but I don't feel like a lot better, like, um, I hope people are listening to this podcast on Friday and, and saying, oh, I love these guys. I love listening. You know, it makes me feel good. But I feel like we didn't talk about any f- fun stuff. So I want to talk about some cards now. Let's get to it. Yeah. And, and yes. And for my friends who are not card collectors, I guess this is the time you shut off the show. So thank you but for don't. listening. But don't, don't show off the show. Because you need to know about these hockey cards. You need to know about this first one. So there was a really, really I know I know the the eBay auction, the crazy eBay auction is your thing, but this and <laughs> it's the, not my thing. Well, it's kind of your it was kind of your thing on the show for a little while. You would come up with these five things and you'd be like, How much did this Connor McDavid rookie patch autograph sell for, and I'd be like, oh, I don't know, ten thousand dollars, and you'd be like, close, twelve thousand dollars, and then I would like faint. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. I should, we should probably pull that out one of these times. We should when, when when there isn't other things to talk about. So this is one of those auctions that I watched because I said I'm going to get outbid on this, so I'm not even going to try. But this is one of those. I don't know if I want to call it a whale. Or a bucket list card. But it is the infamous 1981-82 Red Rooster Wayne Gretzky haircut card. So this card 
So, okay, Red Rooster are these grocery stores in Alberta, and they would put out a team set of Edmonton Oiler cards. They were usually perforated. You'd tear them apart. They'd give you, like, a different strip each week or card. I don't know how they gave them out, whatever. But um, in 81-82, I guess Gretzky had, like, this mullet. He had long hair. He kind of looked like he kind of liked the Peter Klima haircut. If you remember the, the Peter Klima look, he kind of had that Klima look going. Or almost like a Yager. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know, the, the hockey flow. Right, exactly. So I guess they took his picture and they printed up the cards or they printed up like some of the sample cards. And he didn't like the way it looked. And he said, you know what? I really don't like the way my card looks. I'm going to go get a haircut. Can we retake my picture? And they said, sure, because it was just a headshot against a blue background. So he went to get a haircut. They retook his picture. And the card that was issued that year by Red Rooster had him with the short hair. Well, I guess like maybe five sample cards, you know, because they'd print up a few of them to pass around, proofread them, make sure they look good, whatever. Um, made it out like some guy had kept them all these years and now they got they're they're getting sold. So this card, um, do you want to take a guess what it's sold for? Uh, this one flew under my radar, so I don't even have a clue. Okay. Um, was so it, it was it uh, was it graded? Graded uh, PSA eight. It was a PSA eight. Hmm. Wow. Weren't those cards perforated? They were. Well, how did that get an eight with a perforation on it? Because they were all perforated. Well, still. So perforations are Perforations would have to be perfect in order for that to get an eight, I would think. But, okay, I'll go out on a limb. I'll say 10 grand. No. Okay, not even close. It's way lower than that. But still more than what I could reasonably afford. Yeah, hundred bucks would be more than I could reasonably afford. Oh no, hundred bucks! I'd I'd still be in that fight. You would? Oh, did you bid, yeah. did you bid on it? I didn't. Oh. I kind of so, forgot about it, and then and then when it reminded me today, it was already well. When I looked at it earlier today, it was up to three hundred bucks, and I said nah. And then it ended at six hundred and eleven dollars and ninety nine cents. But now, here's the other question for you, and I think you'll know the answer to this. Guess who sold it on eBay? Please don't say Probstein. Two guesses. Was that, was that my first guess? Yes, and it wasn't Probstein. Uh... But it does begin with the P. Oh. So, of course, the auction was shill bid, is what you're trying to say. So, who was it? Unless we're uh, thinking of another one with a P. The, the other... The, PWCC? The other PWCC people. Yeah. Man. I knew... You know, when I saw that, I, I think that's why I didn't bid on it. Because if it's Probstein or PWCC, I just go, you know what? That's going to go for about 25% more than I think it should go for. That's the thing. It's not that they don't have bad stuff. It's just there's so much negative publicity and press because of the shady things that both companies have been involved in. Gives I mean, a, the trimming. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it just, you know, it wrecks the whole thing. So. so for those of you who don't know, trimming is when you take a card and then you trim it a little bit so that you get really perfect edges 
and then you submit it to the grading company and they go, oh, the edges are perfect and the corners are nice and sharp and they don't realize that the card has actually been shaved down a little bit so that it has nice, perfect edges. And you'd have, the, you'd have people who would take cards from the 70s that didn't really have good edges and they would trim them down a little bit. And then they'd submit them and then they'd grade them and then be like, well, how can the grading companies not see this? And then it would be the same companies auctioning off these cards that happened to be trimmed so you have people who sell cards who trim the cards who sell them through the same auction companies like consistently not like a one-off but like this is happening a lot yeah and it's a never-ending cycle too and you know despite despite all the exposure about it it still happens so and here we are and we end up with uh Maybe three hundred dollar Wayne Gretzky Red Rooster card ends up going for six hundred instead. Yeah, because six hundred is like Gretzky rookie territory. Yeah, you know, I mean that's at well that not point, for an eight, but for a lower. No, grade, I mean not graded, but, but you know, I'm just saying that kind of money. So somebody paid six hundred bucks for a Gretzky card where he looks like Jack Blades from Night Ranger. That's interesting. So that's um, very I'd, interesting. Another another thing. So yeah, and that's that's a card I'd like to have because it's just a card that was, you know, they printed up a few of them, they got pulled, and then uh, they they found their way out on the market. And I, you know, just me being a hockey card geek, I love stuff like that that you can't find everywhere. Um, just to have, just for that little bit of history, just for that story behind it, you know. You have I think, to put a picture of that up on the on the post when this definitely. Goes live. That way Definitely. people can see it because uh, you have to realize that Gretzky's hair in this picture looks like my mom's haircut from 1986 to 1989. So, Oh, man. So um, another thing I want to talk about. Um, so uh, Tops Now. Tops Now. Tops when? Now. Now. So Tops Now Hockey Stickers has become an enigma. Are we up to 17 bucks a sticker now yet? Jeez, oh, dude. Yeah, did we talk about this a couple shows ago? We did. Okay, so I just want to give you, you all an update because I'm assuming most of you heard that. So Tops Now Hockey, so Tops were selling these sticker packs. They were about seven forty nine for nine stickers. With tax, they were about a buck a sticker. You'd get a book. They gave you the book for free. You put the nine stickers in a page each week. Week 23 comes and goes. That was when the league shut down so or paused. So they stopped making them week 23. Then they started making the stickers again, uh, like around August uh, 3rd, I think, was the fir- first, second. Yes, yeah, like August 3rd was like when they put the first sticker pack up for sale. And they've been daily sticker packs, not weekly sticker packs. Now, here's... The thing, week 23 had a print run of 609. So at that point, it was about 600. They were selling about 600 packs a week. 609 was where they were at, but it never dipped below 600. Then when they started the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think because they went to daily sticker packs and they were not offering a discount if you bought a bulk of them, the print run went down to 472. The next pack had a print run of 480. Um... But then you're looking at like you're looking at like um, 
$6.99 for five stickers. So now you're already at a dollar over. Okay, now they sold one sticker pack after a weekend that had stickers, SCP. They're numbering, they're giving a different numbering, right? So these are SCP for Stanley Cup playoffs. So SPC 57 through 51, uh, 71. Um, so what is that? 57 to 60, so 15 stickers. They sold 154 packs, priced at $22.49, which comes out to a buck fifty per sticker, plus sales tax. And then uh, a couple days ago, all-time low, 147 packs of stickers number SCP-99 through 103 for $7.49. So now you have, assuming that these are 147 different people buying them. And I know there's a couple people buying two or three because they're still going to put gold parallels in, but they're not going to put in the retro parallels like Connor McDavid on a 57 or sorry, Connor McDavid on a 6061 tops design or something like that. They're not doing that now from they haven't advertised that. So but I you have want... the people that are already invested and already all in. Well, and we had a couple me. comments after our last show. Um, on uh, various social media platforms from people saying, well, whatever they raise them to, I'm still buying because, you know, I'm already all in. So, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you're going to get that. So, okay. So I did a little bit, of, I did a little bit of quick math here. And the thing is, is that in three weeks time, they've put out 88 stickers, Jeez. 88 stickers in three weeks time. Talk um, about stickers here. Now, but here's the Stickers. other thing. Though. Here's the other thing. So we didn't have the the last couple of weeks of the season. We went to a round robin and a um, and a uh, qualifying round and then the playoffs, right? So there are only 108 spots left in the sticker book, and they've already made 88 stickers. So now what I'm wondering is they're selling us all these stickers so we can finish our sticker books. But they're going to make more stickers than will fit in the sticker book. So now I'm kind of wondering, like, what's the point? Because if the point was to complete your set, that's fine. But if this doesn't even apply, then it's its own thing. And then what's the point? Do you see what I'm saying? You got the inside cover. You got the inside back cover. You got the back. So you at least have four more pages you can use. Well, there's one page that's for the parallels. For not the parallels, for the the, the nine chase stickers. Because they were going to do one chase sticker every three weeks, you know, on the retro design, right? So, I mean, they're on pace to make over 200 stickers. Uh, there's 100 and space, spaces left, um, not counting the three spots for the Stanley Cup final chase stickers, or nine spots for the retro chase stickers. So there were three spots for the all-star game. And the only way to get those stickers was to buy packs one through 18, which I forgot to buy one pack. So I didn't get those three stickers. I ended up making a trade with a, with a very nice collector who buys a lot of them, sells them, but he traded me for these three stickers that I didn't get. But then he said, well, I haven't heard anything about the, other three stickers for the Stanley Cup finals because they said when if you buy, you know, or sorry, it was weeks one through 18. And I think the other one is going to be weeks 
19 through 36, and then you'd get the three stickers for the Stanley Cup Finals. So I don't even know what's happening with that. It just seems like they're making sticker packs every day. It almost feels like they need to settle their debt to the NHL, so they're cranking out as much as they can in a short amount of time, and they keep raising the price because they have to make some sort of minimum threshold to meet like a required payment. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think that's what it is, but I feel like that's what it is. Oh, you mean like the last release for Panini hockey, Panini anthology? Oh yeah. Yeah. Jim Howard made fun of that in a box break where it was just endless, just slabs of Jersey pieces. Mm-hmm. No logos. Yeah. No logos. Just, you know, just to get rid of their inventory. Here's but, a uh, here is a big big you know here's a two by three swatch of a Ron Francis um, Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't enjoy think, you wouldn't think Tops is just not knowing what the heck they're doing, would you? That wouldn't that, that thought never crossed your mind, did it? No, it didn't, and I'll, t- I'll it didn't, and I'll tell you why because. Once they got their their act together with hockey cards by like the mid nineties, they did some really good stuff. And then you look at like what they do with baseball. Okay, not everything they do with baseball is is a home run, pun intended, but they do some good stuff with baseball. I would love to see Bowman Chrome hockey. I know there was a Bowman hockey in in the late nineties and and I know there was Chrome tops chrome hockey i see what the baseball card collectors get and i'm envious of that i want dude i mean tell me if if tops heritage made a hockey set that was say like i don't know pick a year that you liked 84 85 tops in in the heritage you would buy a box i would build that set you know what i mean i look at that and I go, man, I would just love it if Tops was in this, right? Well, I say it all the time that the the designs on the Top Skate app for some of their releases are, I wish they were real cards. They I mean, are probably they sixty cool. 60%, I'd say 60 to 65% of the sets that they come out with on there, I wish were real. I remember, yeah, they 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 did a lot. I mean, they did one that was like video game themed. They did another one that was like um, looked like the packaging to He-Man action figures from the '80s, but it was called D-Men, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, the the D-Men set. Yeah, yeah, they did that. They did that with the toys for Christmas time too, where all the players were like action figures in a in a little like blister pack. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, even even a couple of the most recent releases that Skate had um, with the uh, with the playoffs and everything starting um, were really really cool. I mean, the the odds of pulling them out of the packs on there are kind of rough, but like the last one, I think they were called High Caliber. The mm-hmm. design on those I thought was cool. It would would have translated well to a card. But, so to but answer, alas, we're stuck with pictures of cards instead of real cards. So to answer your semi-rhetorical question, no, I don't think that Tops doesn't know what they, they're doing. I do think they do know what they're doing. Um, but I question what they're doing with this sticker set. 
I mean, not everything they do is 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 maybe it doesn't make sense to us as a collector. It probably makes sense to them on some level as a business, like what they do with their baseball cards. But with this, I just it's just like, you know, you want people to collect these hockey stickers and you give us this book to fill and then you tell us to buy a pack every week and we do it. And you tell us if we buy multiple packs, we might get special stickers. And then we go, okay, well, I'll buy two or three packs anyway because it has Sidney Crosby and Kirby Doc this week and I want to have extras of them. And then then you say, oh, okay, now we're going to do daily packs. And you go, well, okay, that makes sense because a lot of stuff is happening in a short amount of time. But then you start making daily packs that have 15 stickers in them that cost $20. And then you're like, well, wait, this is getting too expensive. And then you're like, wait, I'm going to have more stickers and it'll fit in the book. So what am I trying to complete here? Right. So I do question that. I yeah. I, I, I really do. Well, you know what else? Oh, go ahead. There's one solution. Hmm. Stop collecting stickers. <laughs> in other news, I'm 12 stickers away from finishing my... Um, my uh, 1920 Topps hockey sticker collection, like the 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 book that you bought the packs in the store, the 630 sticker collection that's based on the 1819 season. Yeah, and again, you were three boxes in, and you were 90 cards short until somebody helped you. Yeah, somebody sent me like 80 sticker, 80 something stickers. Yeah, so there you go. You're, oh. you're three full boxes, and you're still. 90 some stickers well you know what's funny is that this collector had four he had bought four boxes so he and then he just kind of kept his he didn't really sort his doubles so he kind of would go through one box and then another box and then another box and another box and he went through his first box and he's like well that box had every single foil sticker that you needed (laughs) so there's your collation right there when he goes through one box and he finds all the, the foils that I need. I mean, that's almost like an OPG collation. Oh God. So another thing I don't understand is how upper deck could put out a 2021 hockey set when we're still playing the 2019, 2020 season. So they put out upper deck MVP this week, 200 card base set. 50 high series short prints that feature top stars and rookies. And the um, high series will be one in every other pack. So two questions for you. Is MVP the new victory? And I think this is where you say, yeah, MVP has been victory for about four years now. Sal, where have you been? And the other thing is, how do you put out a set of cards for the next season when the previous season hasn't even wrapped up? All right. Well, to answer the first question, I don't think it's victory because victory was always even lower than MVP because when they coexisted, MVP was a little higher price point than victory. A little, not much, but a little. And I think it's still that case. But victory's been, victory's still around. It's just reserved to the um, National Hockey Card Day insert for the rookies. They always have the victory black mm-hmm. uh, or the rookies for the National Hockey Card Day packs. And I think they even put them out sometimes uh, for other various special occasions when they throw those out there. So, th- I mean, it, that's still around, but that's neither here nor there. MVP is always the first set every year. You got to know that the presses were already running on these 
come the end of the season and ready to go. Um, so I guess by definition, who did they have to have available in order to, to dump this onto the market? Well, you got all your vets and you need some rookies. So everybody that's debuted up until the point where the playoffs are about to start, all those rookies can get packed out. And MVP has always been the redemption set where the rookie redemptions come later, you know, between MVP and artifacts. Those are the years there. Those are the releases that you usually get the redemption cards for the rookies that'll come later in the season. So from a logistical standpoint, can it be done? Sure. You already have the design down. You've probably got enough photos from the previous year. And, you know, if you don't squeeze in a couple from the the year before, nobody's going to know the difference. Well, we will. Trust me, we will. We'll figure it out. But still, (laughs) um, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, can they put it out? Yeah. Is it a little weird? Yeah. But what isn't weird in 2020? I mean, truly, when you look, when you look on it, everybody's going to look back on this year and be like, oh yeah, such and such set came out whatever it did. Oh, okay. I'll get it. I, I got it. Yeah. Looks like or, when you have the cup from one year come out the next year, but it's for the previous year. Yeah, and the cup's another unique product because it's such a high price point and the premium cards that are that are packed out in that, and mm-hmm. you know they try to eliminate the the need for having redemptions and things. And most of the the autographs that are in there are all on card, so they got to get all of those back from the players, and sometimes that takes a while, especially depending on who's in the checklist. So, um, and I get it. But uh, that's one of the reasons why MVP has that lower price point on it, I think, is because the chances that those autographs are much higher. And also, you, I mean, you don't want to pay high dollar value for cards with stickers on them that say, uh, one day you'll get this card in the mail, some maybe, right. if, if we have it. I owe and, you an autograph. Yeah. And no, nobody, I don't want to say nobody likes it. I mean, some people tolerate it, but most people aren't a fan of it. I get it. I understand it. I think we've talked about this numerous times before. Of why it happens. Show about it. Yeah, we did a whole show about it. So, I mean, we get it. We know why it happens. It's just, it sucks that it still has to happen. But if we want product when we want it and how we want it, that's what we live with. So, um, but yeah, MVP hit. It's out. Uh, people are breaking it all over the place. I've seen some some interesting hits on it so far. Some uh, some Easter eggs as well, uh, with some parallels that weren't announced. So um, it's always a always a fun product to kick off the new the new hockey season. Do you recall any of these Easter eggs or, uh, or uh, the uh, one that seems to pop up and has popped up a few times in what I've seen are. Uh, Winter Classic jersey alternative pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, um, what is it? Nash- it was Nashville and Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. So there's Nashville players and Dallas players in their Winter Classic jerseys instead of their normal. And I, I don't know if they're case hits or not course upper deck never talks about their easter eggs they just throw them out there and say you're welcome so you don't you never know how many there are or what the 
what the story is on it. You just know they're there. Yeah, so I don't see, and here's the thing, like, first we're talking about these cards, and I, like, I go through, like, a range of emotions. First, I'm in disbelief, like, can't believe they're making 2021 cards, and we still have the 1920 season. Then, but if I you go, think of a normal season, this is about the time they would come out anyway. Yeah, then I, then I get excited, and I go, ooh, new hockey cards, I want to buy them. How many yeah. boxes will I need to make a set, or close to a set or a base set or you know what are the odds of a redemption right like i start thinking of these and then you'll I need go two f- boxes for a base set you won't get all the short prints at all no so you'll you'll need way more than that even a case isn't going to get you all the short prints probably then so. i then i go to phase three which is wait a minute they put out a factory set every year it's a different color but sure but yeah, it's a different color, but if you just want to have a set and you want to have those rookie cards. Oh, it's a set with retail in parentheses. Yeah, but <laughs> but I guess the, the true is, completist would have both. Yeah, but it's MVP. Hey, if you're going to build a master set of anything, MVP is probably your be your best bet and your lowest price point. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I just, I'm not, I, I, I was super excited about MVP maybe, oh, was it 07, 08. That was the year I really bought into MVP. And what they did at the time was every hobby box had a redemption card. And the redemption card would get you a rookie pack that would have three rookie cards in it. And so I bought two boxes that year and I got full base set and I picked off the rest of the rookie cards that I needed on eBay here and there. But then the redemption rookies, something like 30 of them or something. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves were in, in among those redemption rookies. And I went on eBay and I just kept buying redemption cards because I was able to get a redemption card cheaper than a box. And I'm like, well, I don't need any more cards. So I'd pick up redemption cards for $10 or $20, which is a great price when a full box was costing like $40, I think. And uh, yeah, and I, I built that set, that like whole set, including all the rookies and redemption rookies. Don't know if I bothered with the inserts, but um, yeah, I was maybe a little more excited about it then. And I think now I'm just, you know, like last year, I mean, granted, I did get the case, the Jack Hughes redemption card, but, you know, what did they say? A blind squirrel can find a nut once in what, once in a lifetime or something. Yeah, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Yeah, so, I mean, if you want to go once in a while, I mean, I did get that Jack Hughes redemption, and, I mean... 15 years ago, I got one of those Parker's True Color cards that had eight swatches on it. You know, so, I mean, there's, you know, we all have our, we all have good luck on some things, and then you'll buy, you know, hundreds of packs and never get a certain card, and then you'll buy a box and get a Quinn Hughes rookie card. But, I mean, it's just, you know, or or an Alex Ovechkin Young gun. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's all gambling, right? Yeah, yeah. So, 
I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to buy MVP. Maybe I'll just wait for the factory set and buy that and be happy because then I'd have a full set and I can look at them and page them if I want to or just put them away. But, you know, have the set and not have to save my building for something I may be a little more passionate about, like, like passionate about, like, uh, like Series 1, Series 2 or OPG or even if something new and exciting and different came out. Well, you do that, and I will point at you and laugh and say, ha ha, I have the real set partially completed and never finished for the next 10 years. While you you have a full set. Yeah, while I have a full set. And I'd be like, hey, Tim, what's card number 67? No, I haven't finished any of them because I'm building the base sets plus all the puzzle pieces and all of that crap, so I don't. Are they doing puzzle pieces this year? Uh if they have for the last three years, I don't see any reason why they would stop. I actually really like the puzzle pieces. Yeah. But again, those are, you know, those were like, a, it was either one of those or one of the the other, like the silver signatures or whatever that were one per pack. Mm. So you would only get like maybe six, six puzzle pieces in a box. And considering there were... Uh, 100, no, 101 puzzle pieces. Because there was, there's 99 puzzle pieces and two checklists. So. Checklist for the puzzle pieces? Yes. Weird. That is strange. Yeah. So. They look cool in pages, though. Oh, yeah, no, I actually, you know what, the puzzle pieces, even though I don't think I have one complete puzzle, I do put those in pages, just with the hope that one day I'll have all of them. Yeah. Um, you can find them in quarter boxes and stuff like that, it shows. If I we found ever a have them ton of them at the National um, in 2019 when I was in Chicago. I did, too. Huh? Trees had them at his table. Oh, did the trees have some at his table? Yeah, he had a ton of them. Oh man, I so. missed out. No, you know what? When I I bought a bunch from trees, and it was uh, we're talking about Mark Petrie, by the way. He uh, he breaks over on um, on uh, on Instagram. You should follow him on Trees Collectibles. He's a good guy. He's from Michigan. He's a Red Wings fan. Um, but we don't we'll hold, hold that, that against, against him. him. Nah, uh, no trees. I was too busy going through his like. His like autographs and jersey cards, <laughs> which he also had a ton. Which he also had a ton, yeah. And I actually got some some pretty good Chris Chelios cards from him, which was exciting. Some Chelios and Ronick cards that were signed or had like really nice patch pieces, and it was, that was that was fun. It was exciting. Um, hey, you know, check this out. So, um, speaking of the National, just want to bring this up, even though it's old news. So the National is canceled this year just like we said it would be we knew it wasn't going to happen the last week of december before christmas yeah shock that we were right on something so if the national does take place in 2021 it's going to be in chicago as planned correct that means that two nationals in a row will happen in chicago 2019 2021 Correct. So is this the end of days, or does that just mean that we get the national from now on for for infinity? Um, 
You don't have any argument for me. I I like when it's here or in Chicago since people don't know where here is because it's a mystery. But, um, yeah, I prefer that it be in Chicago because I don't want to have to drive to Cleveland or find a way to get to Atlantic City. Right. I'd much rather drive the hour it is from my house to go up by the airport and look at cardboard all day. Yeah. So good times let's hope we have a cure for covid by then well i guess we'll find out so um we wanted to uh end the show really um our big topic for the day uh was going to be 82 83 opg hockey because dale howard chuck's rookie card is in that set so when i said to tim Oh, what retro set should we talk about this episode? He's like, oh, we should talk about 8283 because Dale Howard Chuck's in it, his first card. And I'm like, great idea. So that's uh, that's what we're going to talk about. So, uh, Tim, do you have this set? I do not. I do not. Um, it's an unfortunate um, omission from my collection at the moment, but uh, I haven't put a lot of priority in the OPG sets. Um, but if I want to be the, uh, not completist, but if I want to, you know, not have gaps in my collection, this is definitely one I would need because this was the first year that tops decided to bow out. Yeah. So I want to talk about that a little bit. So just a little bit of background. So 82, 83 OPG hockey, 396 cards. They came in eight card packs that cost 25 cents Wow. 48 packs per box. So, like, I could buy five packs with the money on my desk right now. You could, back in 1983. Yeah. So, uh, a box would give you 384 cards, which means if you bought a full box, you would not get a set. You would be shy. You'd be missing 12 cards. Um, You'd uh, also get be, about 17,000 doubles in one box. This is also true. Yeah. Um. So, as Tim mentioned, yeah, so... It was the first of two years that Tops did not make hockey. Um, didn't make they made hockey in the fifties and then they stopped and then they started up again and then they made hockey up to eighty one, eighty two, and then they didn't make hockey in eighty two, eighty three, or eighty three, eighty four. However, Tops did actually make sticker albums those two years. Um, they were the Opeachy sticker albums rebranded as Top stickers, but they were made by Panini. So. Let me let me let me let me say that again slower because there's a lot a lot a lot to unpack here. Tops did not make hockey cards, but they made hockey stickers. But they were actually Opeachy hockey stickers, but those were actually made by Panini. Yep, let's go all that <laughs> keeping score because Panini made the Opeachy hockey stickers. Until 87, 88, when OPG decided to do that in-house. That's why the 87, 88, 88, 89, and 89, 90 OPG hockey stickers have hard backs and not the soft backs. And why the early 80s OPG stickers are a lot like Panini stickers. Likewise, that's why Panini started making their own hockey sticker album in 87. Because they were no longer making them on behalf of Opeachy. Makes sense. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, so anyway, so they didn't... Um, so the key rookies, Dale Howarchuk, of course, Grant Fuhr, Ron Francis, Joe Mullen. So four really good reasons to have that set. Well, or just to have those four cards, I guess. Um, but also, I gotta tell you, there are a lot of rookie cards of players who had long careers. And I'm going to read this off to you because I, I didn't jot down every rookie card. Just guys that, you know, if you watched hockey in the 80s or 90s, you would definitely remember these names. Brent Sutter, Neil Broughton, Thomas Steen, Steve Conroy, Barry Peterson, Doug Frostman, Mark Osborne, Brent Ashton, Aaron Broughton, Joe Sorella, Rick Mahar, Steve Bozek, Mark Hardy, Kurt Giles, Mark Hunter, Rick Wamsley, Thomas Janssen, Rayo Rutsalainen, Mike Bullard, Norman Rochefort, Bob McGill, um, Mark Crawford, great card, by the way, uh, Bobby Carpenter, Doug Smale, uh, Tim Waters. And that's not even all the rookie cards. Those are just the guys that I'd go, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He played, eh, he played a long time. I was hoping you mentioned Mike Bullard. Why? he's the only penguin in that mix of ones you mentioned yes i, I think mean, he was the only penguin rookie in that set i think sounds about right mistaken. yeah um yeah the uh <clears throat> if you look at actual like true rookie cards that set is just it's jam-packed with rookie cards now, granted, nobody's going to get excited about owning a Brent Ashton rookie card, although for a long time he was, I think he had the record for most different teams played on until Mike Sillinger came along. Yeah, but, uh, you know, there's, if you don't like the no-name players, there's Hall of Famers in there. No, so. but see, there's a lot of these players that I like. I mean, I have an extra Bob McGill rookie card because I like Bob McGill. I have Steve Conroy's rookie card autographed because I like Steve Conroy. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, some of these players, I mean, they're, you know, if you're fans of those teams, they were pretty good players, you know? The fact that you can get, I mean, you got Joey Mullins rookie in there, Hall of Famer. You got Ronnie Francis's rookie, Hall of Famer. You got Dale Howard Chuck's rookie, Hall of Famer. Grant Fuhrer. Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, interestingly enough, you know, Joe Mullen. When I think of Joe Mullen, I don't think of, I don't think of the Blues. I just, I just don't think of the St. Louis Blues when I think of Joe Mullen in his career. Um, but yet yeah, he's in a Blues uniform. You got Ronnie Francis as a whaler. Granted, he was a whaler for a long time. He, was part of probably the most lopsided trade in Whalers history. And some would say led to the demise of the team. Um, you know, so you got, you know, Francis in the whale, you got Howard Chuck in a Jets Jersey. Um, so it's like, you got rookie cards of these players on teams that went extinct, you know, not long after they're moving on from those those particular teams. Um, so that, that's kind of cool. The fact, the fact that they're in this, they're included in that specific set, but interesting photography in a lot of these, because it's, 
this is the most of this set. If you go through all of the cards, it's one of three shots, mm-hmm. right? There's three different shots that are used on all of the cards. There's Let me the, guess. There's the close up, like the head and shoulder shot. The close up, as in like head, which is basically it. Yeah. Okay. There's the waist up or mid chest up shot. Or there's the, I'm going to back the camera up far enough so I can get the skate blade up to the top of your helmet shot. That's it. There's nothing, there's no real other kinds of pictures in there other than those three. It's one of those three. If you go, and if you go through there, you'll, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Because unless it's a special card, like a award winner card or a team leader card or something, that's one of all of those shots. I find I find that to be weird. So heads, or you said waist up or full body. They're either a full body shot, mm-hmm. or like from the waist or the chest up, or they're a close up headshot. It's one yeah, of those three. Tim, you're it basically that's like every portrait ever. No, it's not. It really. I isn't. mean, people pictures are either head and shoulder shots, like your driver's license. Or they're from the waist up, or they're full body shot. <laughs> but there, there's nothing, there's nothing distinguishable between them, though. Is what I'm saying. Like, there's not a whole lot of pictures of like crazy in-game action. Like almost every one of the shots where there's action shot, it's like the player like skating away. They don't even have the puck, or they're just standing there looking around, or mm-hmm. they're just. It's not like. There's no motion being. Mm-hmm. I don't. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? I can't get the words out. There's. There's no action shots. Yeah, the action They're shots are really not action. Static. Yes. I static. Mean, that's a good. I, that's a good. I term. would argue that there are some action shots in this set, but there, it's not as frequent to say 84, 85 OPG where every card is an action shot in that set. Almost That's why I feel every like the pictures part. of these are boring. They're they, just boring. They are, but you know what? At the same time, I, I like the set because I feel like there's a lot of variety. Like, actually, I find, like, MVP-type sets kind of boring because it's the same full-body, head-to-skate head shots, you know? No variety. And at least in this, you know, yeah, you do have, you know, I'm looking at Dale Howarchuk's rookie card, and it's a close-up. And I'm looking at, you know, you know, his is a is a close-up. And Howarchuk's a giant head picture. Brand Fears is an action shot. He's like down making a save. And Ron Francis is from the knees up, but he's skating. You know, where's he going? He's skating. I think he's standing there waiting for a face-off. Oh, actually, you're right. He is. He is standing. Mike Bullard's so, card is a face-off shot, too. So, um, a couple things I want to talk about, though. Um, there's eight different Wayne Gretzky cards in this set, if you count yeah. like, award winners and in-action and uh, yeah, team scoring leaders. So, uh, so the set had in-action cards that would do, like, a, another card of the player, usually in-action, doing something although the mel bridgman card which i make fun of in a blog post he's he's waiting for a face-off and i'm like and i'm like so my point is it in action or is it in action 
Oh, I see uh-huh. what you did there. Right, yeah. In action, be the guy sitting on the bench, right? Or Mel Bridgman just kind of standing there. Um, one of my favorite rookie cards is Mark Crawford, who has uh, blood running down his neck after getting into a fire, fight with uh, Clark Gillies. And um, I have asked him about this card for the Hockey News. I wrote a little piece about it um, in my in the cards, I don't want to call it a column, little corner of one page in the cards where I talk about a random hockey card. And I asked him about that. And I said, you know, do you remember who that fight was with? And he's like, oh, yeah, Clark Gillies of, of the Islanders. And and uh, he basically, his joke is he punched and I bled. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Good thing so, he had the flying V on his shirt because that could hide some of the blood. Yeah, I think it's a pretty badass looking card. I mean, he I don't know if he's got a black eye. I think that's just a shadow from the light on his nose, but it looks like he has a black eye. I don't know. I think that might be a black eye. Yeah, well, he looks he looks badass, though. It's, it's a little that's a little much to be a shadow. OK, but well, the card does look like with that with the old school Canucks jerseys. It does kind of look like he's sort of like a crossing guard that just got hit by a car. So, um, another card that I found that I like, um, this is kind of a, a little exception to your rule of like, there's only three types of photos on these cards. This one really stands out because it's such an outlier. Dino Cicerelli, because um, clearly, it's yeah, taken Cicerelli the card. Wall. He's yeah, he was like backstage at a concert or. Waiting for a bus or something. Yeah, it's in, in front the of one hallway. of those. In front of the front of the white wall, like an old school seventies card. Yeah, I like this card though. It's just it's a great portrait, you know. Um, it's kind of like if you think of uh, the ninety seven uh, Leaf Studio portraits. Yeah. Yeah. He's remember his, those? He's got his arms crossed under his chin, like he's posing for a uh, glamour shot Mm -hmm. no that's that's another one that i like um and then another one that i wanted to point out um you have this set in a binder i do i have it in pages but i pulled out a few to talk about well well good because and then i have um, some extras this set also features uh peter dinklage's rookie card oh Uh, what number card number four in the set Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> oh, God. You're going to make me pronounce this guy's name. Miko Leinonen? I think it's Leinonen, but yeah. Leinonen? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, that guy right there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Peter Dinklage. It's his rookie yeah. card. You know, what's interesting is that the Randy Carlisle card has a UFO on it. Because what's in that corner? Not the Penguins logo, the other corner. What is that? On the Carlisle card? Yeah. Um, I don't know. But they all have it. I thought maybe mine had a uh, was unique in some way. But it looks like there was some maybe something on the negative or something... Something printed weird on that card. Because I don't uh, I don't know what that is. It looks like a little... I don't, I don't know what to call it. 
Almost looks like a little Tasmanian devil cloud. Yeah. Remember Taz from the Looney Tunes? Yeah, kind of. Um, and then another one, as long as we're on the topic of penguins. So this one always, uh, this one always makes me raise an eyebrow because it is the penalty minutes leader card. Paul Baxter. Oh, Baxter. Featured on the card. Now, what's interesting about Paul Baxter was he was a tough guy. He, he was, was on the Penguins uh, and other teams. He did not have a lot of hockey cards. This is one of the few cards that he has. And I know this because he used to be an assistant coach on the Blackhawks in the 90s. And so I wanted to send him an autograph request. And I didn't have any of his cards. Because all of his cards were like Opeachy cards from like the late 70s or early 80s. I don't think he had a Topps card. So I didn't have any of his cards. How but, long ago was this? Uh, I mean, in the, in the 90s when I was going to write to him. Oh, okay. You know, because I think he was one of the assistant coaches under Daryl Sutter. I was going to say, because in 2010 when Panini made that tough time set, he was in there. Yes, he is. Yes, that is true. Um, so what's what's interesting about this Paul Baxter card is that he doesn't actually have a card in the set, like just a standard card, but he has a penalty minutes leaders card, which... Yeah. They had to feature him for what he was known for. Well, that's the thing, though, is that, like, I mean, can you think in recent memory of a set that has a penalty minutes leader card? It's always, like, goal leader, assist leader, point leader, goaltending um, wins leader, shutouts leader, GAA uh, leader. We would probably have to go back eight, ten years, but OPG had them. Really? Yeah, because I distinctly remember like eight oh eight or oh nine um daniel carcillo being featured on on them for hmm. penalty minutes leaders interesting that is because uh... i had very few dan carcillo insert cards and that was mm-hmm. one hmm. so that's so yeah so that's just kind of like one of those little um anomalies you know kind of like how in 84 85 tops mark messier has an all-star card but he doesn't have a standard card like he was good enough to have an all-star card but he wasn't good enough to have just a regular card in the set but then again that that 84 top set is only 165 cards and they only usually had about three players per canadian team that's interesting and then another one, uh, what was it? Another card. Oh, another thing that was kind of neat was um, flyers are shown in Cooperalls. Maybe the Whalers too. I don't know. I don't know about the Whalers, but I know the Flyers. Some of the Flyers, because they both both now it looks like the Whalers. Let's see, that's New Jersey. Edmonton. Here we go. Hartford. Uh, no, Whalers did not. We're not in Cooperalls in 81-82, so these 82-83 cards. But the next season, you see Whalers and uh, Flyers in Cooperalls. But in this set, you see a few Flyers in, wearing the long pants, the Cooperall pants. I know at least one. Oh, maybe just Tom Gorance. Yeah, actually, the rest of these are all, <laughs> like you said, from the waist up. I was going to say, I've got... I was just looking at the Fred Arthur card, and I know that one isn't it, because that's a headshot, so you, you yeah. want to be able to tell from that one. So, okay, just one Cooper all shot. Um, and then 
you know, another thing is this design for the set, it's really generic, but I uh -huh. like it. Because, I mean, you could put any sport logo on it, and it would just instantly be... You, you put a Bears logo on it, it's a football card. You know, you put a... Uh, uh, a Knicks logo on it. It's a basketball card. And it doesn't really say hockey. I mean, maybe you could think a little bit about the bottom of the card looking a little bit like a rink with the rounded corners, but I think that's maybe stretching it a bit. Um, there's it. It's not like 9091 score where they said, we need to make this hockey card look like a hockey rink. Or like an 86 tops football card where they say, oh, we need to add you know, white lines on the screen background to make it look like a gridiron. And I think that's okay, though. I like, I I don't know why I like this design so much. Maybe because it's just so uncomplicated. Sometimes simple is better. It's not busy. Like, when I think of, like, 87, 88 tops and OPG, that design to me is so busy because you have, like, that puck in the corner with the team name, and then you have the stick, and then you have, like, the lines on the stick, you know, to give it wood grain and texture. But it's like there's so much going on, and then, you know, that it's just like, ah. Or even, like, 83-84, I feel is not as good of a design. And this, it's just, it's, like, so simple. Um, and I wish more designs were like this. Well, you could even you could even say that the front design with the photo is more is simpler than the back design, because the back design is much more intricate, I guess, when you compare. Yeah, I mean they don't they got the little bit of trivia and they got their vitals and they got their stats and then they got the little blurb depending on how much you know stats they have. Because, like, on Tony Esposito's cards, it's just stats. There's no, like, little biography about him. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I like the backs, too. These are actually very easy to read. Like, that, they printed the backs in pink and purple. And the purple ink stands out really well against these kind of tannish backgrounds. It does. Um, and I just... I know we're describing, like, how the cards look, but I think just, like, as somebody who liked to read the backs of cards, these were always just easy to read, and the tops ones, not that they were tops from this year, but, like, you know, they just looked nice. I mean, I... I, I well, they used that better cardstock, the lighter color. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about OPG, I asked a, a friend of mine, an, uh, an older collector who actually runs a... Um, a card shop in the suburbs of Chicago. And I said to him, I said, well, what do you remember about 8283 Opeachy? He says, I don't. He's like, we didn't have it. He said, I used to get tops at my local drugstore. And I'm like, wait, they sold hockey cards at drugstores? He goes, yeah, I used to go to drugstores and gas stations and buy hockey and basketball cards. And then he says, 8283, they didn't have any basketball because tops didn't make basketball that year. And they didn't have any hockey and he's like, and he's like, well, years later, I found out about the 8283 Opeachy set, you know, when I started going to like shops. He's like, but yeah, just, it was just out of sight, out of mind for him. And he didn't know that there was like, you know, because this was 82. So it's not like, oh, well, there's, there must be a set in Canada that I can collect somehow. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't imagine that it would be, it was that prevalent. 
down in the States. And yet I think that like it it has to, I don't want to say it has to be, but I'll tell you this. If I walk into a random card shop and they have hockey cards, if they have any Opeachy cards from the 80s, it's always 82, 83 and 83, 84. Like they might have a few, but they'll never have like, say a bunch of 87, 88 Opeachy. They might have like a key card from that set, but they wouldn't have like singles. But I've gone to uh, shops, a lot of shops. But then again, I'm just basing this experience on being in Chicago. But then even like when I go to like um, the show that they have in Chicago twice a year, um, the Sports Spectacular, and, you know, I'll go to like a dealer and if they have any OPG cards from the 80s, it's always 82, 83, 83, 84. They'll never have like 84, 85. So I can, you know, like build an 84, 85 set, but they'll have tons of 82, 83 for some reason. What do you think that reason might be? I think that maybe Opeachy was selling them stateside. I think. And how would they be able to pull that off? That I don't know. Well. Well, there's, I mean, a, there's always the one theory. They turned on the presses, and they didn't turn them off. Well, because I know that, like, they did by, like, the late 80s, early 90s. They, I mean, 1991, OPG was carried by U.S. card shops. It was, but it became more of a mainstream brand at that True. point. It right. wasn't the alternative brand, because then it was... I mean, by by then, people were aware that, oh, look, Opeachy makes baseball cards, too. Oh, look, mm-hmm. they make hockey cards, too. You know, so... I'm guessing... That crossover. I'm guessing that if Topps was not making hockey cards, that would have allowed Opeachy to make and sell hockey cards to U.S. customers. I'm guessing. Because I feel like there's a lot of these, these two years of Opeachy sets. Like... You know, just like when I think of like overproduced cards from the 80s, and I know that 80s cards were not produced as much as 90s cards. 8182 ton, uh, tops, tons of that. 8283, 83, 84, Opeachy, I can find those pretty easy. 84, 85 tops, easy to find. 85, 86, 86, 87, 87, 88, 88, 89. I don't think any of that stuff is really. Is it findable? Yes. Is it affordable? Some of it is. But is it common? I don't think, I feel like that's kind of more uncommon. Like if I walk into a random card shop and I go, oh yeah, I have old hockey. It's going to be 81, 82 tops, 84, 85 tops, those two Opeachy years. And, you know, maybe 89, 90 Opeachy because there's a ton of that. Yeah. That's true because I, you know, I see tons of the tops Brett Hall rookie. I don't see a lot of the OPG. Mm. So anything else you want to say about this set? Um, I'm just going to look at my notes here, but I think I kind of covered all the high points. No, I mean, I, I think that it was, uh, you know, it's a solid set. And if you're looking for a set that's packed with hall of famers and, uh, has some fairly decent rookie cards in it. I mean, this is this is a good one to to try to put together. 
you know, it's a hair shy of 400 cards, so it's not totally out of reach of, of building it and putting it together if you, if you so chose. But uh, I can tell you that if you wanted to take a stab at uh, building it, you, you may um, hold off and, and actually look at what some of the prices are on the completed sets because I have noticed that um, when we decided to talk about this, I kind of took a look to see kind of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, card pricing on a lot of these, for as many Hall of Famers that are in there and who's actually in there, it's kind of sad how much whole set pricing is going for. What are we looking at? Completed auctions. 75 bucks, 80 bucks, 120, 97, 91, 110. And we're talking completed sets. Now, these are all hand collated, of course. But, um, you know, you've got vendor set, vendor built sets, 150. Hmm. I mean, at least with those, you know, the corners are going to be good. Centering might not be as good, but at least you'll have four sharp corners. You can even. There's even full sets and binders going for 125 bucks. So, and that's pretty good. I mean, I bought this set complete in 2002 for sixty dollars. Yeah, so and that that makes sense. That makes sense. It hasn't really changed that much from that point in time. You know, the sixty to eighty dollar range is probably where you'll find a, a solid portion of them selling in with a hand collated set. The nicer quality vendor vendor case sets are going to push closer to a hundred, and you know they kind of go from there. But uh, you know, obviously, this set was um, you could you could easily get a hundred dollar bill for this in the pre eBay days. Let's put it that way. Um, Oh yeah, I mean back most of the sets that I own. Most of the, yeah, most of the vintage hockey sets that I own um, were all pre-eBay. Or, sorry, post-eBay. Like, this I would not have been able to touch in the 90s. Yeah. You know, back when, like, a Dale Howard Chuck rookie card was, like, a $30, $40 card, and a Grant Fuhr rookie card was, like, a 40 to $60 card, you know? And now those prices are very depressed for a couple of reasons. I mean internet but also there's there's a lot of these out there you know it's just it's it's not an uncommon set and that's not a bad thing um i I figured you'd throw the uh, grant fear rookie in your uh, chicago collection why just because that's his uh i don't what would that have been his rookie debut at chicago stadium was that when that when that photo was taken i don't know um because that is Chicago Stadium. Looks like it, but I can't... Yeah. It has to be. Well, there's no advertisements on the boards. No, but you can see the color at the top of the boards behind them. You see well, the red the red stripe around the edge of the top of the board? Yeah, is that unique to Chicago Stadium? Yeah, that would have been Chicago Stadium. And... Hmm. So you could... Oh. Go back on the schedule and figure out when they played them that year. 
That'll probably tell you exactly when that picture was taken. Interesting. Yeah. From up until about 85, 84, 85, um, there were actually some pictures from Chicago Stadium. And then I know after that, um, the late 80s, there were no pictures from Chicago Stadium. And I think part of that had to do with the team wanting to charge photographers money or something to take pictures at their games. Um, and that's why you have like a lot of the pictures from like those late 80s tops and Opeachy sets being from either Washington or New Jersey. Think about how many guys in white New Jersey Devil sweaters there are right. or white capital jerseys. That is true. Or even white penguin jerseys. There was a lot of white. Yeah, but then all the Blackhawks were always red. All the Oilers were always blue. So, um, yeah, more of an East Coast thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I uh, you know, of course I'm a crazy completist. So, I mean, I got it in my mind. You know, I wanted to have a set from every year. And this is really the only set from that year, if you don't count, like, small releases. And, um yeah, one day we'll talk about the Renaissance keychain set, but that's from 83, 84. But I mean, as far as like, like if you want a set of cards, you didn't even have like, well, do I get the top set or the Opeachy set? This was it. So, or, or the pro set, you know, this was it. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, if you're a fan, definitely snag this set. Uh, it's it's a pretty cool set, and it has Ivan Holinka's rookie card in it. So, I, yeah, I didn't know if I should have mentioned him because he wasn't really notable as an NHL player. But I know he has the tournament. He wasn't, but he him. was a rookie technically by yeah. nature in that set, even though he had already been playing professional hockey for a hundred years prior. <laughs> yeah, I mean P- Peter Stastny is not a rookie on this set, previous set, but he's like twenty six or twenty whatever I think at the time this. Uh, of his rookie year. Well, Holinka was important because he was one of the first Czech players to ever, like, um, do you call it defect or migrate or whatever you want to call it, uh, over to the NHL. Mm. So um, then a lot of Czech players came over. I mean, we wouldn't have had Yager if it wasn't for Ivan Holinka coming first. And coincidentally, Holinka was the head coach of the Penguins in 2000. So... That's right. Yeah. That was, uh, he was the coach that coincided with uh, Mario coming back. Mm. They made the Easter Conference Finals that year. Yeah, it was a fun time. But um, wasn't so hot the following year, considering uh, they uh, dumped Yager for nothing. But anyway, it's besides the point. It's that's bringing back my my fandom PTSD. So, ah, all right. Well, I think we've said everything we can say about this set. So I think we should just end it here. We're just a little over two hours. Uh, for those of you who are still listening, thank you. Also, why? <laughs> Man, because. We're cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, I cannot judge the gum in these cards because I never tried it. So if you buy an open pack, I don't know if the gum is still good. 
but you know, traditionally the Opeachy gum was never that good. Nah, like wet sand when I tried to eat that eighty-seven gum. Oh god, that was bad. Um. Okay, so enough of that. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, uh, if you like this podcast, please like and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbors, uh, tell people in your church group, hey, there's this really great, funny hockey podcast that I like. Um, Also, be sure to subscribe. We're on um, iTunes. We're on Google Play Music. We're on uh, Stitcher and all the other podcast providers. And if you want to support this show, please consider buying a shirt at shop.puckjunk.com. And also, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think, or let us know if you have a question. You can find me on Twitter at PuckJunk. You can find Tim on Twitter at TheRealDFG. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.